in the book of Genesis in our uh, series on the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now we are in Joseph. So if you could turn in your Bible or your uh, iPhone or Android or tablet or whatever you have this morning, Genesis 39, and we'll be reading the first six verses. If you don't have a, a Bible with you, it'll be on the screen behind me or on one of the monitors around the room. This is what God's Word says. Genesis 39, verses 1 through 6. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. The master saw, all, saw that the Lord was with him, that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. This is the Lord's, uh, God's word, and I ask that we continue. To be filled with hate. He initially been tossed into a pit, if you remember, by his brothers to die. They changed their minds when they saw a caravan coming along and sold him as a slave. We know that caravan was provided providentially by God. It seemed to Joseph that he was abandoned not just by his brothers, but by God. He had every reason, again, to become bitter to not trust anyone. But yet there was not a trace of hatred or bitterness or vindictiveness. He chose rather to trust God, even though his life was far from those dreams that God had given him. Those dreams that he had shared with his brothers and with his father. Those dreams that he looked forward to as he would be reigning. And now... Joseph was far from that. He was far from home. He was far from his brothers who hated him and who abandoned him. He was a slave. His father thinks he's dead. It's tough. And each of us today comes here with dreams. Dreams that we hope will be fulfilled. Each of us want to be successful. Too often our ideas of success are not biblical. Our cultural course defines success in the area of finances and power, and of course that never quite finding quote-unquote happiness. And sometimes we believe that if we're obedient to God, if we live righteous lives, faithful lives, that God will give us that good life. We think our obedience should bring happiness and success and prosperity. And we expect God to go through this checklist that we have, to give us unbelievable marriages, to make our children turn out right, to make sure that we never get depressed, not even sad, to keep anything bad from happening to us, to make sure that our career paths are successful. If we're honest, we have this checklist of expectations that must be met. In reality, we worship our happiness. 
when we get cancer, or when our kids don't turn out just right, when our marriages become difficult, we blame God. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1, we read, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. Joseph's future looks bleak, especially when we read that verse 1. In verses 2 through 6, we see their glimmer of hope. Immediately in verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph. Think about it. He was in a, he's a slave, in slavery. And yet, verse 2 says, The Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. And so Joseph found favor in his sight and attended to him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. And from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had, in house and in field. He left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. We see twice in these four verses, the Lord was with Joseph. A lot of times when we go through adversity and difficulty, our first thoughts aren't, oh, God is with that person. God was with him as he was enslaved. And there was that special relationship so very clear between Joseph and God, so very clear that it was evident to Potiphar. Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that it was the Lord who caused all that he did to succeed. It's understandable that Potiphar could look and to see that Joseph was a valuable worker, that was effective and efficient. But how was he able to discern that Joseph's effectiveness and success was due to his relationship with God? See, Joseph undoubtedly had shared his Hebrew origins. He undoubtedly shared with him his faith in the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph's life. In the midst of being in slavery, brought glory to God. Potiphar was blessed in proportion to the authority that he gave over to Joseph. Eventually, he gave full control of every aspect of his business. To Joseph. Think about it. Joseph was at the bottom. A slave in a foreign country. A slave who didn't know the language. A slave who didn't know the culture. A slave with no friends, no one to encourage him. 
But God is with him, and God gives him success in everything that he does. He rises to the top. You know, he sees everything in Potiphar's household, except for what kind of food that Potiphar ate. Life was good for Joseph, as good as could be expected for a slave, until life was good. Until Potiphar's wife took note of him. Verse 6 says that Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. One commentator wrote, Joseph really stood out. He had six-pack abs, a chiseled chest, and guns of granite. He was a stud. Many men would love to look like Joseph. This blessing turned out to be a curse. Verse 7 says, Potiphar's wife began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused, saying, My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He's held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a thing? It would be a great sin against God. First, we see Joseph here trying to reason with Mrs. Potiphar. First, he tried to explain his position of authority and privilege, and how could he betray his boss, who had lifted him up, it would be so wrong. And then secondly, and beyond that, more important, it was a sin, it would be a sin against God. But Mrs. Potiphar was in no mood to reason. She didn't care two cents about his logic. She was persistent in the pursuit of Joseph. Verse 10 says, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her and kept out of her way as much as possible. Can you imagine being Joseph, 17 years old, every day, the lady of the household pursuing you? He says he tried to stay away, stay out of her presence. Day after day, she thought to break down those defenses. Day after day, she tried to get him in bed. Day after day, Joseph resisted. Did she dress seductively? Did she begin first by innocently just kind of touching his shoulder or arm or hand? Did Joseph hear one-liners like, Potiphar's gone all day today? Or, no one would ever know? Or maybe, just come close. Yeah, just, just hold me. It won't go beyond that. Or, this one we hear often, we won't be hurting anyone. We won't be hurting anyone. You see, temptation is always before you and always before me. It never takes a day off. It can wear us out. It comes when we least expect it. 
It comes when least convenient. It comes back again and again, day after day. It keeps pushing even when you say no. Temptation often comes after success. I'm afraid that some people see how close they can get to that fire without getting burned. If we're struggling with alcohol, we don't need to go by the bar. I've heard stories of people who go to counseling and they find out that they're going out of their way to go by the bar. It's not like they were walking home and there was the bar. We have to take steps to do otherwise. If there's sexual temptation, we don't hang around that individual. Over the years, I've encouraged people to change jobs. If there's an issue with someone at work, we don't play with fire. We don't see how close we can get without the fire burning us. Because reality is, is if we get too close, we will get burned. Too often it's not just us who gets burned. I was talking with someone last week whose wife works in a school. He shared how his wife was heartbroken over a situation at work. Set of foster kids, kindergarten, first, second, third grade, brothers and sisters in one home. The wife was caught in bed with another man by the husband that ended their relationship. This individual shared with me the devastation on the kids' faces, the fear, the brokenness, the pain as they waited for the DCFS to come pick them up. You see, our sin does affect those around us. How do you prepare? How do I prepare for things like this? How, 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 did, how could Joseph ever prepare for what happened? Verse 11 reads, One day he went into the house to do his work, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him, Mrs. Potiphar, caught him by his coat and said, Come to bed with me. He left his coat in her hand and ran out of the house. Finally, Joseph had to run. He'd been trying to escape. It seemed there was no escape from her dances. She wasn't accustomed to hearing no. What would you do in a similar situation? You see, I know honestly from years of being in ministry and in life myself... We face that. Maybe not at our household. We face it at work. We face it at school. What will you do? What will I do to be prepared spiritually, mentally, emotionally? See, it's possible, because Joseph was able to resist... It's possible not to fall, but it takes being prepared. Joseph was just like us, just as imperfect, just as human, just as frail. 
He came from this totally dysfunctional family, hated by his brothers, sold into slavery. His father thought he was dead. And he could rationalize. He could say, I'm a young man. My hormones are in full force. He could say, my family would never find out. He could say, well, the Egyptian culture is filled with this. It's okay. You know, I, I thought when I was growing up at home that this was the way it should be, but these people are religious and, and they commit sexual immorality. Potiphar's wife first tries to seduce him and then she demands that he lie with her. And when he refused her demands, she accuses him of trying to rape her. She first tells all the, the, the servants and cries out to them and says that this Hebrew slave that her husband brought in is attempting to rape her. She realized that she had his coat, that he had left his coat as he tried to get away from her. Verse 16 says that she kept that coat with her until her husband came home. In verse 17, she begins her story. That Hebrew slave that you brought into the house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran out, leaving his coat. Do you notice the slave that you brought in? Potiphar, it's your fault. Do you notice the little race card there, that, that Hebrew slave? Miss Potiphar blames her husband. Verse 19, we read that Potiphar, of course, was furious. And so he took Joseph and he threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. Joseph ends up in prison. And as often as the case with this passion of love can quickly turn to hate. Over the years as I've counseled with people, I've, I've at times thought oh, there was repentance when I've seen someone come to me. And what I found out sometimes is, yes, sometimes there's repentance. Occasionally, sometimes when there's love that's been spurned and pushed away, there's revenge. In this case, there was revenge. Potiphar's punishment could definitely have been much more severe during that culture and time. Potiphar may, have, may well have known the truth. As captain of the bodyguard, he had the authority to execute criminals. And I'm sure that a crime such as rape by a foreign slave would have been considered worthy of death. And instead of killing him, Potiphar placed him in the prison where the king's prisoners were held. It says early in the passage there that Potiphar was angry when he heard. But I wonder if he was angry at Joseph, or was he angry at his wife? Because he definitely could have done far more, even though, even though prison was horrible. But Joseph went from the penthouse, in charge of everything and everyone, to prison, 
Maybe prison was God's answer to Joseph's prayer to be able to escape from this woman who sought him daily, day after day. He no longer had to guard against that. Once there, though, we see God in his sovereignty working in such a way that he made Joseph, once again, a favorite. If you think about it, Joseph was always somebody's favorite, wasn't he? He was his father's favorite. He was Potiphar's favorite. He was Mrs. Potiphar's favorite. And then becomes the prison ward's favorite. Verse 21, we read, The Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. This is said of Joseph when he is in prison. Everything he did succeeded. A filthy prison, but because of his faithfulness to God, he lost his job, he lost his freedom, he lost his reputation, and he seems like a ruined man initially. That prison that he was in, Psalm 105, verse 18, 19, 20, there describes him and his condition there. He says that they bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in a collar of iron. Can you imagine Joseph? Maybe ten years later now, maybe eight or ten years later, 25, 27 years old. All those dreams, those dreams that he shared with his brothers, those dreams he shared with, with dad, those dreams that he would reign. Those dreams weren't coming true, were they? Joseph, it seems, was not on a good career path. Was he? It didn't seem like it. Being in prison wasn't, it seemed, a good place to get training. Joseph does right and becomes a slave. Joseph does right again and becomes a prisoner. It seemed the more that Joseph obeyed the Lord, the worse things got. The last four verses, 21 through 24, each phrase matches, not perfectly, but it corresponds so very well with phrases in the opening part, verses 2 through 4. We see God's hand in verses 2 through 4 in Potiphar's house. We see God's hand in verses 21 through 24 while he's in prison. Verse 2 says, the Lord was with Joseph, Potiphar's house. Verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph, prison. Verse 4, so Joseph found favor in Potiphar's sight. Verse 21, 
The Lord gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Verse 4 again. Potiphar made him overseer over his house. Verse 22. The chief jailer put him in charge of all the prisoners. Verse 6. Potiphar had no concerns about anything but the food he ate. Verse 23. The jailer paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge. We see God's hand, whether in Potiphar's household as he led or in prison. One more. Verse 3. Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and caused all that he did to succeed. Verse 23. The Lord was with him in prison and caused everything he did to succeed. See, God was present with him. And if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God is just as present with us when we're suffering and when we're going through difficult times as He is when we're peacefully prospering. And this is a hard statement, but it's so true, I think. We can prosper as much in times of affliction as in times of affluence. Okay? God uses adversity to cause our roots to go deep into the soil so that we may know Him better and be better prepared to serve Him. True success is having God's blessing in our lives. God's blessing isn't necessarily related to our circumstances. And we need to be careful not to think that God is obligated to bless us with good circumstances. Right living doesn't always bring these flower-strong paths that we hope for. Sometimes it's just the opposite. Joseph was thrown in prison not because he committed some horrible sin or some horrible act. It's because of his moral purity. See, the truth is, is Joseph's life is not so unlike yours and mine. Job 5, 7 says that people are born for trouble as readily as sparks fly up from a fire. Pretty powerful. One professor wrote, When I once expected, wait, what I once expected from my Christian life is best summed up in the old worship chorus that began, Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. He continued, Since then I've learned that the truth is more complicated. Some days are sweeter than others. Some are not sweet at all. Some days are just dull. And a few of them are more like a nightmare than a dream come true. Finilan, a theologian priest way back a few centuries ago, wrote, God must tear from us what we love wrongly, unreasonably or excessively, that which, tend, which hinders his love. In doing so, he causes us to cry out like a baby from whom one has taken a knife 
which he would use to maim or to kill himself. And he goes on, he says, and we cry in our despair and murmur against God as a petulant baby against his mom. But God lets us cry and saves us nevertheless. It's no accident that 25% of the book of Genesis is written, committed to the life of Joseph. This man who received raw deal after raw deal after raw deal. God allows Joseph to be sold into slavery and put in prison. In the midst of it all, we're told four times God was with him. God was with him. We need to remember that sometimes the result of obedience is hardship. Sometimes telling the truth gets you fired. Sometimes playing by the rules gets you fourth place. While the gold and the silver and the bronze are taken by cheaters. Sometimes refusing to go along with the wishes of an adulteress gets you thrown in prison. Our hope is in God alone. We see his hands in Joseph's life in, in three ways as we look back over this part. Joseph was protected, he prospered, and he was promoted. He was protected. And again, he was protected not from his circumstances, but in his circumstances. We often ask God to remove the suffering, to remove the pain, to remove the problems, or to remove us from those circumstances. But most of the time, God seeks to change our attitude toward things, to change our perspective of the circumstances. He seeks to fashion us to serve him according to his purpose and his plan for our lives. And in the midst of the hardships as a slave and as a prisoner, God removed blemishes in Joseph's character, just as he removes blemishes from my life and from your life through the adversity and hardship. God protected him. He protects us. He protected Joseph by his presence. His presence gives us peace and rest and strength. God protected him from damaging emotions. Think about it. This young guy was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. Can you imagine all the negative emotions he must have had? Resentment, self-pity, anger, bitterness. I would think that most of us would have gotten very depressed. But God protected Joseph from all of that. I'm not sure what's going on here. We too must ask God to give us the strength we need to resist bitterness and resentment. We must forgive. There's that passage in Ephesians 4, 31 that 
that hits me hard all the time. I'm sure it does you. Get rid of all the bitterness and all the rage and all the anger and the brawling and the slander along with every form of malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And when we don't forgive, when we wallow in bitterness, and when we wallow in self-pity and resentment, we make for ourselves a prison. You hear me? When we don't forgive, when we wallow in self-pity and resentment and bitterness, we build around us a prison. Is there anyone this morning that you need to forgive? Have you made a prison for yourself? In the midst of life with its difficulties, are you wallowing in self-pity? Is there bitterness toward God? Resentment? God wants us to be free of that prison. God protected Joseph by his presence from these damaging emotions. He protected God from protected uh, Joseph from Mrs. Potiphar with her first very subtle type things and then her strikingly bold things where she demanded that sustained day-by-day type approach. God protected Joseph. And resistance, his resistance was decisive. He didn't argue. He just said no. He was unyielding day after day. Physically, he tried to avoid her. He was ruthless finally. He ran How do you, how do I, deal with temptation? Are you ready to be decisive? Are you in the midst of battle now? Are you struggling with sexual temptation? Remember the foster family that was torn apart that I shared because of sexual immorality? Remember our sin affects those we love most. I think that Joseph had made a decision to be to make the most out of his circumstances. And therefore he was he prospered. Secondly then first God protected. Secondly he prospered him as a slave and as a prisoner. And we saw where he was successful. And it's neat that Joseph didn't have to say, you know, I'm being blessed by God. They knew it. He made the best of the situation. John Bunyan, we all know, spent 12 years in prison in the 17th century for preaching the Word of God in England. (laughs) 12 years in prison. He didn't waste his time. He wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, which is now a classic. Millions have been impacted by it. Are you making the most of your days? If you're single, are you wishing and waiting to be married? If you're married, are you wishing you could be out of this bad marriage? We need to make the most out of the life that we have. I was on the phone this morning. Got a phone call at 4.30 I missed. Picked it up at 6. Talking with a dear lady who loves the Lord. A stronghold for the Lord. Unbelievably strong over the years, going through tremendous pain, 
unbelievable pain. She's hurting so much. And it seems like because of someone else's sin close to her, she, she says, I was knocked down and I get up. I feel like I get punched in the stomach. I take three steps forward and it seems like I'm kicked back five. As I talked with her, I was able to share with her some from the life of Joseph. Joseph was protected, he prospered, and he was promoted. Not the dreams that he wanted. How are your dreams being fulfilled today? Do you feel abandoned by God, by family, loved ones? Remember that God's plans for our lives are far, far better than our plans. We can't see what God is doing, but in the midst of the struggle, we need to trust Him. And whatever you're going through today, God's gracious, sovereign hand is with you. He wants us to trust Him as we walk through the fires. Will you? And beyond yourself, I promise you all around us, there are people who are going through the fire. They're hurting. And they need our support. They need us to reach out and to love them and to care for them. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much.